Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. This is Carol Bossert, and welcome to Museum Life. And today you get me all 55 minutes uh, in celebration of the two-year anniversary of Museum Life. As my friend Paul Orselli would say, virtual balloons and confetti all around. Um, Seriously, it has been a wild, wonderful, and humbling ride uh, to do this show every week for all of you. Uh, As my colleague and new friend Coven Smith has said in listening to me uh, and the shows over the last couple of years, he he has seen my growth. And I'm going to assume that that's growth in a positive direction uh, because I believe it is. When I first was uh, invited to do this show, I thought, well, I could probably make it through the pilot if I didn't tell anybody about it. And I knew that I had 13 friends that owed me a favor and would come on the show. Uh, But obviously, I have more than 13 friends, and I have had the grand opportunity to actually get to meet and talk, uh, get to know uh, so many more people that uh, either I've read their materials, wanted to know, or have been recommended to me uh, by listeners and colleagues. And I can't tell you how exciting that is. Uh, Many of you over the last uh, few days have uh, sent me well wishes and congratulations about two years of uh, doing this show and, and have said uh, how, uh, how wonderful it is that I provide this service to the museum community. And I'm humbled by that. I also have to admit that I get a huge uh, amount out of this, and I don't mean monetarily. I mean that I, having the opportunity to uh, think and reflect is something that I have not been able to do in my practice up until now. And as I share with you some of the uh, trends and thoughts that I've had uh, in reflecting over the last two years of shows, I think uh, you'll see that the show has changed me uh, very much and uh, I think has made me more reflective and more thoughtful and and I hope has deepened my, my practice as a museum professional. Now, before I go any further, I I would be remiss if I didn't give some uh, other personal thanks to my fabulous, fabulous executive producer, Winston Price, who is my uh, technical mentor, uh, my cheerleader, and supporter at uh, Voice America Radio, and I uh, couldn't do it without him. He's also been a very fabulous guest on the show, so make sure that you listen 
listen to the very first show we did. Uh, I'm a little nervous, but Winston is absolutely fabulous. I also want to give a shout-out to all of the fabulous one engineers who make this show possible. I... Most of I have done the show in the studios in uh, Phoenix. It is a real blast to be in that professional studio. But most of the time, I am sitting here in my office uh, overlooking my beautiful garden, which isn't so beautiful right now because of the drought. Uh, but I get to see the birds and the, and the animals. And I realized as I was uh, listening to some back shows in preparation for this one, I give a lot of weather reports. Uh, about the Washington weather, and I'll be a little more uh, thoughtful about that. Uh, but it's because that's what I'm looking at when I'm talking to you. I, when I first started this show, I did what every good academic does. I googled radio show host how to, uh, and one of the uh, the hits that I that I got was a uh, a, a radio host talking about uh, his audience of one. Perhaps it was her audience of one, indicating that there. When you're talking only to a microphone, it's easy to do one fall into one of two traps. You either think rightly or wrongly, that there are millions of people listening to you, and of course then you get complete stage fright. Or, rightly or wrongly, you figure that nobody is listening to you, and this is just akin to talking to yourself in the shower or in the mirror. And this piece of advice given by this uh, radio host was, think that your audience is one person, that you are really talking to simply one person, that you're having a conversation to that one person who has given their time, uh, chosen to be with you that day. So that is what I do as well. I love this radio medium. Uh, it is different from anything else. It uh, it allows me to have real conversations and uh, get, have a, a give and take. Most of the time, uh, the give and take is uh, in the same direction. Sometimes it pulls in different directions, but I think that it often is through those points of discordance that we get some real insights. I also want to thank all of the listeners uh, who who are listening live. Uh, it's up to 680 of you uh, uh, on a regular basis. And uh, those of you who download programs, uh, last month I just got the uh, uh, statistics from Winston. There were 8,896 downloads. Uh, that is um, humbling, uh, in my opinion. I also, uh, while I wrap up my my thanks here, I want to uh, also thank my assistant producer, Rogine Patterson, who is the one that makes sure that there are programs to be had uh, and that there are... Um, uh, that the announcements go out on time and the publicity is done on time and uh, that uh, I uh, guess have a uh, follow-up. So thank you very, very much for that. So in thinking about 
the last two years of shows, uh, a total of 96 shows. Now, we haven't quite reached the 100 mark. That will happen in November. Um, there are, of course, a number of themes that I follow. Um, not necessarily I started out that way. Uh, I sort of followed my nose and my interest, my curiosity. As Nina Simon said on this show several months ago, that when she started her blog, Museum 2.0, she didn't know many people in the museum profession, but having a blog and asking to interview somebody is a great entree into getting to know someone, and uh, I have found that true of the radio show as well. So I read an article or a blog or I... Uh, am thinking about something, I see something in the paper, and I start realizing I either don't know anything about it or I want to know more about it or it is uh, such a relevant issue, I want to bring it to everyone's attention. And so I have had, a, there's been a lot of emphasis on careers, uh, everything from Greg Stevens talking about how to manage your career to... Uh, Anne Ackerson and Mariana Benz in March of 14th of 2014, giving some really great advice about crafting your career. The other one on the career side that I think was really relevant is Linda Norris, who wrote a wonderful book called Building a Creative Culture with Rainey Tisdale. And that actually is a book that I keep on my desk uh, as a way of uh, just helping me take a pause in the middle of my day and think about how I might do things a little differently. But in looking at all of these themes, careers, evaluation, technologies. Um, I spent a lot of time, of course, thinking about exhibitions uh, because that's what I do uh, in the rest of my life. And I, I'm finding that area particularly challenging, and I will get back to that in just a minute. But in, in thinking about the, um, the work that, that uh, I've been doing over the last couple of years, two years. Uh, there are three words that really, I think, encapsulate the discussions, and that is respect, responsibility, and relevance. Those are the issues that Stephen Wilde uh, was grappling with uh, 20 years ago. It they are the same issues that we grapple uh, with today, and and I don't think that we should take that as a negative. I think uh, each, each voice uh, is unique and it adds to the conversation. Uh, as museum professionals, we are inherently curious. We are also uh, inherently uh, questioning and we're always trying to do things a little better. We love our field and we want to make sure that it stays respectful of our audiences and our staff, uh, responsible to our greater community and relevant uh, to the communities and the world uh, that we serve. The other thing that I want to uh, do is give you all uh, 
perhaps remind you of some shows you might want to listen to again or shows that you haven't listened to uh, by giving you both the name of the uh, guest and also the, uh, the date that the show aired and maybe some shows that you might want to listen to as a group. Uh, there's one very interesting group that I recommend to you and that is to listen to Rainey Tisdale talk about her work in developing an exhibition that uh, uh, in, re- in um, memory of the uh, Boston Marathon bombings. Uh, which happened uh, only about a year after those bombings when things were very, very raw. Tom Hennis in uh, July of, uh, of that same year, in uh, July 25th, 19, or 2014, talking about the experiences in developing the 9-11 Museum and working with a variety of constituents on a project, again, that was still very raw in our, me- our collective memories. Elaine Human-Gurian talking, and she was one of my first guests in the fall of 2013, talking about good news and bad news museums and what a museum can do in terms of both healing and um, moving, moving a community beyond uh, healing to taking uh, action. Um, and then most recently, a fabulous interview with Rami Lakshmi, who was the uh, motivating, mo- motivating and creative force behind uh, a museum in Bhopal, India, the Bhopal Museum, that was uh, commemorating the awful, awful industrial accident that happened there that took so many lives, and how that, too, is bringing a community together. Uh, so the, that's just one example of how a group of very, uh, very different guests can talk about uh, the same issue from very different perspectives. And I think you will, as I did, pick up some very interesting threads. Well, we're going to take uh, the first of our breaks. And when we come back, some more thoughts about uh, two years of programming on museum life. So please stay tuned. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services, LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn 
or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Are you ready for an Anything Goes hour-long foray into politics, pop culture, and societal tribulations? Then look no further than Between the Synapse with host Mark Tobin. Each show features nationally or internationally prominent guests discussing topics that go beyond the usual daily news, sometimes even way beyond. It's a weekly fast-paced hour that you won't want to miss. Call in to join the party. Between the Synapse airs live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and today I am reflecting with you on some of the trends and themes and ideas that have emerged over the last two years of doing this show. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, in is relevance. You know, when I first started this show in the fall of 2013, we were just... I, as a industry coming out of what I called the great intake of breath, uh, we were just uh, beginning to get out of the shock uh, that occurred in the uh, with the the implosion of the economy in two thousand and nine, which of course always hits the uh, private uh, um, nonprofit sector quickly. We're always about a year behind, so I think we were. Uh, uh, a, a little um, uh, immune uh, to the dire effects uh, through 2010 and then 2011 hit and uh, foundations were not giving as much money, cities and states were not giving as much money and the federal government uh, seemed to have turned their back on uh, the nonprofits. and so we did what we always do um, in these situations we said well you know we now have to get used to a new normal and that normal is very dire and very terrible uh, and uh, but we are relevant to our communities we're really important right um, and then of course there were a couple of uh, inevitably a Every couple of years, someone says, well, why are we spending so much money on building museums and maintaining these collections when we have so many hungry people or we've had some natural disaster? And again, the museum community often rallies around that saying, oh, but we're so very important. We educate children and we do all of these things. And if you want a list of the things that we say we do, you just can go on the American Alliance of Museums webpage and get a nice laundry list of the things uh, that we do, how many people we serve and how many classes we provide and, and all, of, all of those statistics. And those are very important. But over the last two years, 
I have tried to delve a little bit deeper into what we mean by value uh, and also uh, seeing if we can't move beyond uh, the metrics of bodies through the door, income generation, uh, some of the things that uh, maybe are fleeting in times uh, of tough times or uh, are, are not as constant as we would like and therefore our arguments to our value are not as constant and as strong as they need to be. So one of my favorite guests, I have had her on the show twice, is Susie Wilkening from Reach Advisors and she always gives me a lot to think about and The great thing about Susie, she is a a researcher, but she really questions our base assumptions about our field and who we serve and what our value is. And uh, last uh, winter, on February 27th, I had Susie back for the second time, and she was doing some very interesting research, uh, asking the question to primarily people who come to museums, what is the value of museums in their lives? Uh, and uh, you know, listen to the show. There are a lot of uh, details uh, that Susie and I talked about, but a couple of things really struck me as I was listening to the show again. One, there is a difference in asking the question, what does a particular museum visit mean to you? which is a question that we often ask. We call them outtake surveys, or we call them marketing surveys, or we call them summative evaluation. We ask someone, all right, you visited the museum on Tuesday. What did you think? Did you, you know, how do you value that uh, time you spent with us? Versus uh, a, a different question, and that is, what is the value of museums to my life? to my community, to my society. And that, as Susie explains, is a very, very different and tougher question to answer. Uh, it, it's a little more nuanced and it takes a little more time and thought uh, and time spent uh, with with individuals to really help uh, listen to what they're saying and then unpack it in a way that can be uh, statistically uh, analyzed for for trends and so that's some of the work that Susie does and uh, has been is very very valuable and in that discussion she said something very interesting and that is she's also in that work she has parsed out a little bit about that word museum. Um, We, within the industry, tend to think of museums as sort of a a bad word. We're sort of embarrassed by it. Uh, There are times that um, if we're doing, if we read a marketing piece uh, from a museum, they might say, you know, we may have, we're, we're more than a museum. Yes, we collect things and yes, we interpret them and yes, we do all these things, but we're more than a museum. We're interactive, we're educational. Uh, Or I've, there are a lot of uh, startup museums that will, will say, uh, we we want to do great things for the community, uh, and oh, by the way, we're going to collect objects um, too that preserve uh, the collective memories of our community. But we're not a museum, and 
we have within our field used that presumption to to really make some some real strong shifts in what we're doing and um, and not always in a good way and so one of the things that Susie has discovered is you know within the uh, uh, within her test samples, museum is not a bad word. It's an understandable word. It is a respected word, and it's a valued word. Uh, so I think sometimes we uh, we really need to do a much better job of of questioning our assumptions. Now, one of the things that uh, Susie and I also talked about is it's not the word museum that maybe is is the hang-up for people, but it is maybe not having the skills of knowing what to do in a museum. Uh, those skills aren't we aren't necessarily born with them. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of how-to books. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I go to a some place that I am not sure uh, what to do, what to wear, uh, who to talk to, what the experience is going to be like, I would not, I'm not A, comfortable, but B, I might not even do the activity. Uh, so perhaps, as Susie uh, says, we need more museum buddies. Uh, people who can go outside of the museum walls and you know, make it a little, little less threatening. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, one museum buddy that I interviewed was uh, Nick Gray from Museum Hack, which is a sort of an alternative, some might call irreverent, uh, look at um, museums in the uh, New York area for both uh, tourists uh, as well as uh, uh, younger, um, perhaps 20, 30-somethings who are seeing museums in a, in a new way. Uh, so that's only one way of creating a uh, museum buddy, if you will. Um, you know, the other, other thing that I think we tend to ditz within our own field, and it was brought up in several discussions, one I had with Ellie Woods and Kirsten uh, Latham, uh, about the importance of objects. You know, reading labels, good labels, uh, or looking at an object is, sometimes gets sort of short shrift. It's considered passive. Uh, you know, why don't we put a handle on it or, or put a button on it or make it make, it make noise? Um, I'm not ditzing any of those exhibition techniques, but I think based on the work of uh, Wood and Latham, as well as others, uh, and again also Su Susie Wilkening, the, the importance of objects and the value of an object or a thing to arouse curiosity, uh, to look at it in different ways. There is no one way of looking at an object. There's no one interpretive approach. That's why I found uh, the work of Wood and Latham in, uh, in their, their book, uh, The uh, Object Framework, 
really, really interesting. I think we tend, uh, even as interpreters, to look at objects through a very narrow lens, uh, perhaps sometimes even shoehorning an object into a storyline. And so the object serves a narrative rather than using a narrative to frame uh, how an object can, can be uh, can be examined and really foster curiosity. And so I think that's that's another assumption that we need to uh, look at a little more carefully. Also, this idea uh, was reinforced with my discussion on uh, March 15th with Phil Terry. Uh, Phil Terry is the coordinator of Slow Art Day, and he ra- he shared his personal story of spending time in a museum, not because he particularly wanted to, but because he was uh, dating the woman who would become his wife, and perhaps, I think, well, he even admitted he wanted to impress her, so they went to a museum. And he spent a significant period of time looking at at one painting and the more he looked the more things he saw and the more ideas were generated in his head and so it he realized that that was a skill that he was lacking that he could learn and uh, that because Phil Terry is also uh, well-known as an entrepreneur in uh, the the technology field, he was also able to make the connections for us between the importance of fostering curiosity and the ability to look uh, with the uh, job skills and the creative skills necessary uh, to move forward in our uh, our digital uh, digital age. Yes, I will come back and define what I mean by digital in the next section of the program. So stay tuned. I've got a whole lot more to say. Thank you for listening. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Remember, you can always reach me at carol.bossert at verizon.net or send me a tweet at MuseWrite. I am always happy to have additional conversations with you. Uh, So we will be back in a moment. Stay tuned. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Carol Bossert established CB Services, LLC, because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn 
or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Up Close with Chris Tinney is now on Voice America Variety. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Chris brings you the thought leaders, activists, and socially responsible entrepreneurs taking action for the environment, doing business in a new way, and helping the underprivileged. Call in or listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and learn how the small decisions you make today have a big impact on our small planet in the future. Tune in to Up Close with Chris Tinney on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bosser at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. Uh, This is Carol Bossert, and I am sharing today some of the thoughts and trends uh, that have have really appeared uh, on during the last two years of uh, interviewing guests on uh, on this program, one there are a couple of really interesting parallels that have um, have emerged in the show, and I think in a way they're all going to dovetail into one important uh, lesson for us. And so I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to identify all three of sort of these disparate, what seemingly are disparate uh, uh, avenues or trends. And one is uh, marketing, uh, research, and a uh, trend that uh, Beth Elizabeth Merritt and others have talked about, and that is a significant changing demographic in the United States. Uh, In a couple of years, we will hit uh, what some are called a tipping point, which in itself is a very um, freighted term, I believe, but uh, uh, a shift in population uh, where 50% of the population will be people of color and the the reality for the museum profession is that since most of our audience are not people of color uh, and if the non uh, people of color or the white audience is is getting smaller then uh, does that mean our audience overall is going to get smaller. And so one avenue that we are seeing uh, play out in uh, across the country and on our blogs and on our Twitter feeds is this idea that we need to do more marketing research. And uh, some and I read a uh, an article just this last week. Uh, the author was talking about we need more marketing research, not not uh, more more audience research. 
And while I think marketing research is incredibly important, and my guest Anne Bergeron uh, last October on the 24th, who is uh, a tremendous mind in uh, both uh, marketing and uh, development, uh, would agree uh, with that as well. However, she would also agree that um, that it is not simply looking at at people as as faceless numbers or simply trying to parse uh, the existing audience in new ways so that we can get we can parse them by geography we can parse them by age uh, we can parse them by their uh, their family size uh, and and a variety of ways but we're sort of missing uh, a larger and bigger point and that is instead of wondering why we we need to get more of an audience we already have, getting them to come back more often, which really a good, uh, good thing to do, and many of my guests have shared uh, strategies for doing that. The question needs to be, why isn't that other 50% on our radar? And why isn't that other 50% uh, comfortable in, in museums? And... Why would we in any way do marketing research without audience research? And frankly, I, I, I've struggled to even know maybe what the difference was and, until I thought, well, to me, uh, marketing research eh, is maybe a little faceless. I mean, I love statistics like the next person, but audience research puts a face on things. Uh, as Susie uh, Wilkening has said, it it takes time to listen to people and unpack the nuances of what they are saying. And also, the benefit to me of doing that is that by putting a face on our audiences, we have a much better opportunity to understand them, understand their needs, and become more empathetic. And whether we are talking uh, about design thinking, which uh, has been discussed on the show, which starts with a sense of empathy for the audience, or whether we call it just old-fashioned good design principles, which several design professionals have discussed on this show, it all starts with understanding the audience. One of the things that um, has saddened me sometimes when uh, I'm at conferences and this issue comes up of, well, how do we understand our audience? How do we understand our community? Is um, the question of, well, I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to uh, identify people that may not think the way I do or look the way I do or live in the same kind of, of uh, uh, geographic location that I do. And I think that this probably is the most important area that, that as museum professionals we need to, to be working on. And one of my favorite uh, discussions was with Bill Booth and Kirsten Lee uh, last October uh, talking about uh, working with community, not for community. And so if you are, you are interested in 
seeing how you your institution might move beyond some of the the concerns or fears that that you have uh, in reaching new new or uh, expanding your sense of what community and audience is, I would really recommend uh, listening to Bill and Kirsten talk about uh, their wonderful experiences. Uh, in going out to a community and asking the community not what we can do for you, but what the community is concerned about, what the community really needs. And again, it goes back to people going out and listening and spending, investing time to create true partnerships, not simply a transaction of we'll do this for you if you come in our doors but really moving beyond uh, that sense of community and that concept that idea was reinforced uh, so often but so elegantly by Melanie Adams when uh, she was on the show with several others talking about uh, her response or the museum uh, 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 Missouri, Missouri Historical Society response to the issues related to Ferguson. And Melanie's point was they didn't wake up one morning after this disaster and say, well, what can we do for our community? Gee, maybe we should do X, Y, Z. They had been working with their community, with the broader community for years they were family. They were neighbors. They knew them. And so when this tragedy occurred, it was a logical step to do what they did, to open the museum, to use it as a place of civic engagement, a place of, uh, of safety, of harbor, to have some very tough and serious discussions. And that is something that we can't as a museum community, deny anymore that we are part of those tough, tough discussions. And if we don't know how to do them within our own institution, then there are lots of places where we can get some help and some support. We can no longer uh, assume that we are in the model of simply entertainment or edutainment. In fact, that model, that transactional model that will provide fun and education if you come in the doors uh, and therefore show your, your interest and value, just isn't going to work anymore for us. And as my old graduate professor used to say, you know, models are great until you get trapped in them. Uh, making sure that we create fun and enjoyable experiences for, for everyone, for a variety of learning styles and abilities and interests is fabulous until we get trapped in it. And then we can't move beyond uh, that, that idea and we, we can't build lasting relationships. We, we end up uh, being afraid afraid that we're going to turn people off if we talk about climate change because you know as one museum professional said that's a real downer subject um, or we can't talk about issues of race because well after all we're a science museum and uh, science has nothing to do with uh, with color right um, 
we we can't stand behind those things any longer. We have to address uh, these more serious issues. I th- I feel and fear too that as museum professionals, we often harbor an arrogance toward our audiences because we haven't put a face on them. Uh, we're not looking at them as individuals. We're looking at them as, 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 as numbers. And we, we don't respect them enough to believe that they, too, want to be engaging in serious, meaningful, important dialogue with us and with uh, their, the people that live in their community and in the world. And certainly, um, I think that that is not borne out. And by harboring that little bit of disrespect or that little belief that they are less than us, we are creating an arrogance that makes us a little irrelevant and very unapproachable. So that was pretty serious stuff. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I promise I'll loosen it up a little bit. But then one more very important point that needs needs to be made uh, on this anniversary show. So please stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossard for Museum Life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Carol Bossert established CB Services, LLC, because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert. 
and I've been sharing with you some of my thoughts uh, from reflecting on two years of doing museum life. And after the first break, I promised you that I would define digital for you. And I, I will. Well, actually, I won't, but Coven Smith will. Uh, that was a wonderful program. I, you know, I've had a number of fabulous uh, speakers on uh, talking about uh, the digital age, disruptive technologies, uh, Coven Smith uh, being one, Neil Stimler, Jasper Visser, Nancy Proctor, Michael Edson, and Nick Honeysett, who has given me one of the greatest quotes, uh, which is, it's not about the technology. But it was Coven that shared with me this idea of it's not digital. In fact, what does digital mean? It's digital is all about usability, how we can use something. It's all about being focused on the needs of people. Again, putting a face on the people. And it's all about agility being able to move quickly when things change, uh, when needs change, and everything's always changing, so we need to be extremely agile. And as Coven pointed out, that part of our problem is that we create plans to execute, you know, we're going to build a new website, versus creating plans to learn. Uh, We which might uh, morph into we're creating the website so that we can understand uh, our audience or key audiences or our community in a better way. And we're committed to taking that learning and changing what we've been doing. I think that this need uh, parallels uh, very clearly also our need to reach out and establish strong relationships with our community. If we don't know who they are, if we haven't put a face on them, then it's going to be tough to know what their their needs are. And as, uh, as Coven and I talked, uh, we also uh, picked up this word arrogance. Uh, We don't mean to be arrogant, we're very nice people, but we get a little isolated and we think we know and we don't question our assumptions and we sort of get trapped in some models that may have worked for a while but they're not working now and instead of sitting back and thinking what might be a new model then we keep you know hitting the old model over the head um for example uh, we I've had a number of people on the show talking about exhibition development because I'm an exhibit developer and I want to uh, know more about what my colleagues are are thinking. But um, we still approach exhibits often in the same way we approached them 10, 15 years ago. And that is that it's a product that we are producing and once it's done, we all heave a sigh of relief and then we go on to the next thing. Well, that doesn't make it very agile and it often doesn't make it very usable uh, and it 
doesn't necessarily mean that we've had a good really solid understanding of the needs of all the of the people and by needs I don't mean they need to know something that they are lacking in something that we can give them what I mean is understanding what they might need to foster their own curiosity, their own museum effect, uh, to, to use a, a phrase that's been used on this program before, to, as David Carr would say, people come to museums to learn about themselves. They have a question, whether they can articulate it or not. And so how can we create those, those experiences that... Uh, are going to help them find their own way, maybe not our way. And so I think that, that it's these, these things that, uh, that are very exciting right now uh, in the museum community because people are talking about them a lot. People are finding their voice. Uh, and one of the people that I've had on the show uh, now twice, and she has said things that have really transformed the way I look at a lot of things and the vocabulary I use, and that is Portia Moore. Uh, Portia came on my show of uh, January of this year talking about the importance of inclusion uh, as opposed to diversity. Uh, the word diversity can sometimes mean everybody else, and so it sets up an us-them situation. Portia told a story uh, on this show. She so told many, and so I really recommend that you listen to that interview. Uh, but one story she told was uh, she was working in a museum, and she came out of the museum one evening. Of course, she's a museum professional, and she's well-dressed and uh, looks lovely on her way home from a hard day at work. Uh, she, she is uh, a woman of color, and she met another woman of color walking down the street, and that woman stopped her and said, hey, how, wh why were you in there? Portia said, well, I work there. And that woman said, oh, well, my father told me that that was not a place for people like us. That story has stayed with me as sort of one of those aha moments, both in uh, an example of community memory, as well as looking at all of the things that a museum does, all the decisions that we make from deciding where the labels go to what the objects are to the narrative storyline that may not be a universally understood storyline. It may be a very, very narrow historic uh, storyline where there are many people who don't, can't find a voice in that. Uh, and... Thinking that through, as Gretchen Jennings has said, uh, as she invokes the, the, uh, the idea of an empathetic museum, yes, people can be empathetic and care about others and understand uh, and get a sense of, of what it's like to be um, in a certain situation, but the museum itself, how can we break down all of those barriers? Um, and that has changed the way uh, I'm looking at my own profession. Um, 
I promised that I would leave on a happy note. It is happy. This is terribly, uh, it's, it's a really fabulous time to be a museum professional. Uh, as I was as I uh, was listening, or well, I said listening, I was really reading a uh, recent Twitter chat uh, hosted by Museum Worker Speak, and they said, you know, we, we criticize because we love museums. We want them to be better. We want them to be respectful, responsible, and relevant. And change comes from within. And so who better to look honestly and carefully at our assumptions and our models, uh, but, but us. So I am looking forward to another fabulous year with all of you, my listeners, my all my ones, and to new guests and returning guests as we continue to discuss issues of relevance and opportunity for the museum community. Again, thank you very much for continuing to uh, support me on this journey. Uh, again, I am very humbled, and uh, I hope that I continue to provide a, a strong service and important service for the field. And so this is Carol Bossert from Museum Life. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.